Hello and welcome back to the Nowhere Office. I'm Julia Hobsbawm. And I'm Stefan Stern. This is the podcast which looks at the world of work as it is, as it could be, should be, might be, with some of the leading thinkers and doers of the day. Well, Julia, we're getting around a bit. Paris, Vienna, London, back in London today. How, how are you? Where are you actually this morning? Well, I'm in London, although as we're going to hear from the interview coming up, we're arguably also in Warsaw, but that's a little bit complicated. So let's just go on with the show. So we are delighted to be joined by another of my new Bloomberg colleagues. Gosh, it gives me such pleasure to say that. We had Matt Boyle at the beginning of the series, and we're now joined by Joe Constance, a reporter on the Workshift section. And Joe, hello, you're joining us from New York. Yes, thank and you for fact, having me. Pleasure. You're in fact joining us from New York, but Bloomberg being Bloomberg and Global, you're joining us from a room called Warsaw, correct? I am, yes. Can see right behind me. Yep, I am. I am joining you from from Warsaw, the conference room. In a previous era, we might have called the selection of rooms Kremlinology, but we might <laughs> think better of doing that. But Joe, you are, I think it's fair to say, a young person. You are not a Generation X like myself or Stefan or the the grey beard that is Matt Boyle and you've joined relatively recently after graduating is that right yes i consider myself a millennial but definitely gen z millennial cusp so i will take on the mantle of young person and i probably will try to hold on to that for as long as possible well that's fantastically helpful because we want to pick your brains about what the cool kids and the young people think about the world of work and whether there is in fact significant differences in attitudes and approaches. Yeah, so I guess here's the thing, you know, I'm I'm the youngest person on our team and so of course I get the all of the quiet quitting TikTok Reddit Gen Z stuff and it's it's fun. I love it and I feel very strongly about a lot of those topics. You know, I saw some data that was talking about what Gen Z is looking for in a job. And of course, they're more passion driven. I think that's that's one of the big takeaways. And I was always skeptical of that because I kind of thought, you know, well, that's just a generational effect. Like, of course, when you're young, you're young and you're idealistic. But one of the stories that I really got put on and really followed for a long time is the whole quiet quitting thing. And Part of that that was really interesting is that it was conflated with Gen Z from the very beginning because it was it came up on TikTok because it was coming up on that platform which is so dominated by Gen Zs everyone thought this entire generation is engaging in this kind of attitude shift towards work and it was really a Gen Z phenomenon but I really didn't see much evidence that that was the case that whole trend it seemed to actually come out of a, a an article by a great business insider features reporter back in March and then it kind of it was on corporate coasting and it was not gen z specific it was just you know people deciding especially after the pandemic to just take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit and kind of take it a little bit easier and not kind of go 110% anymore and then it kind of ping-ponged around on YouTube and then it made its way to to TikTok and then it absolutely blew up with that specific phrase but at the same time the data does show the percentages of the different generations 
kind of acceptance or openness to the idea of quiet quitting. And it definitely was like a, a trend line with Gen Z, you know, being the most kind of open to the idea and kind of going down from there. And so I think that there is a real attitude shift and difference with Gen Z in particular, but there was a great op-ed in Bloomberg, uh, Sarah Green Carmichael, about how quiet quitting is not necessarily, she called it the fakest of fake workplace trends. I mean, her argument, I did think her argument was sound, which was, you know, it's something that people fantasize about. They fantasize about quiet quitting and just phoning it in and not stressing out so much. But in reality, you know, how many people actually do that? You know, Mm. some people do, but not not everyone. And I think it's more kind of something that we like the sound of it, especially the younger generations. But your your 20s would be quite early in a career to already be, I mean, I know quit is not in a literal sense, but to be already downshift, that would be rather disturbing news for managers, particularly older managers, if the younger workforce are already losing enthusiasm for work at such an early age. Yeah. Whenever we're talking about generational trends, it's always, we're painting with a really broad brush And, you know, you can never kind of sweep everyone into this one category, but there's plenty of people who are still very much grinding and very much hustling and very much career oriented and ambitious and work a ton. And that's actually one thing I I wrote about recently, this other trend on TikTok that kept coming up on my personal feed, which maybe says something about me, but it's called the five to nine trend. And the idea is you wake up at 5 a.m., you have a whole day before you're nine to five. So you wake up at 5 a.m. and usually it's like working out, meal prepping, you know, this and that. So you get all of these things done, cleaning, whatever, and then you go to your nine to five. And it's kind of this like incredible performance of productivity that for a lot of onlookers is completely unrealistic and unsustainable. Personally, that's just not like in the realm of possibility for me, but I think that there's something in it that I'm, I'm still attracted to. I have a colleague on Bloomberg's personal finance wealth team that I'm, I'm kind of talking through a lot of these things with. And it's just this idea that I think for a lot of people, especially who are younger Gen Z, they just don't see the same payoff that older generations did with, you know, if you put in those extra hours, if you work really hard, the promise for older generations was you save up a nest egg, you have a, a comfortable retirement. And I think with just this generation, they're seeing those chances as so slim that it's kind of hard to justify working your ass off. So it's a sort of genuine realignment of values based on economics. And it's kind of that it's interesting that you report very much on the Americas, but that we have the lying flat movement from China. It's a similar sort of ennui generationally, isn't it? A, A kind of rebellion against the confines of a of 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 a dominant time suck of work with with little payoff right exactly and i think the economic conditions definitely informs that again you know if the payoff isn't there it's kind of like all right well you know i don't really see what i'm really getting out of this but i think also you know, and we already talked about this a little bit, but of course, I think the pandemic shifted things as well. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people who were, you know, laid off at the beginning of the pandemic, they kind of saw how insecure their employment situations really were and, and how little their employer in some cases seemed to care about their well-being. And so I think that that also, especially for younger people who tend to be in more insecure employment situations and 
you know, lower, lower in the, the org chart and are therefore you know, seen as a little bit more dispensable. So I think that influences it as well. You know, there's just less loyalty there. This is a real risk in hybrid, isn't it? You mentioned the org chart. If there's an attitude at the top that somehow the younger workers are, you should just have to suck it up, or or disposable obviously aren't going to get access to the remaining square feet of the office that we're still paying for that could also send a terrible message to the under 30s say that that, that their career is less meaningful and not recognized by senior bosses is is that something that you see organizations wrestling with sort of trying to make hybrid work at all levels? Yeah, I think so. And you also mentioned the great resignation and the really high quits rates that we've been seeing. One of the primary reasons, one of the biggest reasons why people were leaving was they just didn't see any any opportunity for development in that organization. I think that's particularly true for people who are younger, are ambitious, are looking to grow their skills and move up, but often they're not really seeing very many opportunities for for training, for development, for mentorship. I think that's tough. And I do think it is important for a lot of younger folks, especially if you're, you know, going through an internship or, you know, you're just starting out, it is important and, and valuable to be in the office. But often these hybrid setups are not set up, you know, very well. And so you may be there and your boss is, you know, who knows where. Can I just say Stefan is never happier than when he's discussing an org chart. Oh yeah. So, you know. Yeah, we're from the generation where, you know, if you were in an office, you needed to know where metaphorically and politically and structurally you were in in your office. And I mean, isn't this partly the point, Joe, about the, 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 the less tethered generation, the generation that is moving on up in their careers in a more distributed, networked workforce way where, you know, their environment is genuinely changing. And so what what they measure themselves by isn't necessarily proximity to a corner office or the water cooler. I mean, are you, how real is that sense that people's experience of life and work life is, is reshaping this work shift, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I think there is a sense when you're all on Slack together, there are no corner offices in Slack. And so you're kind of all have like the same, sort of currency in a sense. I mean, of course, it, you know, you intuit, you know, when somebody is saying something and it carries more weight because they're, you know, way up or what what have you. But at the same time, you know, everyone's a little icon on the screen. So I think what you're saying is, is correct that there is this little bit sense of things are a bit more egalitarian or feel that way. At least it feels a little bit less hierarchical just because you're not in that physical space and environment where, you know, that can be felt a lot more. That's just a lot more palpable you're sitting in front of us with a coffee that you've just got from your sort of slightly all-you-can-eat buffet at Bloomberg. I mean, is that still a main yes. attraction for people, young and old, to come into offices mm -hmm. where, you know, th there's always something hot to eat and something yummy to drink? Do you think that that, that is a lure for people in their lives to get them into an office? I think so. I think I think it definitely doesn't hurt. And in some cases, it really can be a benefit. I think it, it is, fortunately or unfortunately, is one that you start to take for granted a little bit. You know, it's not like a benefit every single time or you don't feel kind of that full thing. It's more just like, uh, you know, it becomes kind of table stakes, I think, after a little while. Like if you if you get free lunch, but you're sitting on Zoom all day, I don't know if that's if that kind of perk whatever ratio 
is enough to surmount an hour long commute if you're not required to be in the office. But I think mm -hmm. if let's say you are required, it is definitely nice to have those things. Or if you're not required and your commute's not bad and you hybrid is designed well, it can be a good thing. In the Northern hemispheres, we head into winter and people are concerned about the cost of staying warm. You know, if the employer is going to provide the heat eight, 10 hours a day, that's also a, a consideration, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And that's something that I, I saw written about recently. You know, I think especially depending on, on what energy prices look like and the cost of heating homes, that could definitely come into play, especially as people are getting pinched a little bit with inflation or, you know, a lot of it, then that can be like a real way to, to save costs. And, and that was one of the other big criticisms of, of hybrid as not being the most environmentally friendly because you do have heat and AC going on in two places. You're not really saving there, but that, that could actually lead to some savings if that works I'm out. I'm a bit skeptical of this, I have to say. I think that yeah. people's behavioural traits and the psychological drivers are going to override, especially in the professions, some savings. I think that what the data shows pretty clearly is people absolutely do not like the commute. The commute is over. They do like the water cooler and buffet life, and they do like seeing their colleagues, but in a much more interrupted way. I suppose what I'm interested in is, have we wrongly pigeonholed you? And is there a culture to wrongly pigeonhole the generations as being different? I mean, when you go out on your beat, you write a really interesting range of stories. You don't presumably go out in your head as a young person reporting on young people, do you? So what do you think is the most salient issue? Is it in fact generational or is it something else? Huh, that's a good question. I think a lot of the generational conversations tend to be overblown and, and people tend to be kind of turning into a, a bit of a sport in terms of generational tiffs and stereotyping certain, you know, of course, millennials are lazy and entitled. And of course, Gen Zs are, you know, the same things. And I think that is kind of a classic standoff. But, and yeah, I kind of tend to agree with what I think you're kind of leaning towards, which is it's not the most salient, you know, generation, we have a lot more in common than we sometimes think. So this tracks back as we wind down on this particular conversation to young people and the idea that traditionally you've all been hired with bubbly, optimistic, it's all going to be greatism. And the reality is there's a lot more grit and grain going on. I mean, you you are not fooled, are you, the young people? You know it's a lot more realpolitik than anything else. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think so. Um, McKinsey recently came out with their, with a survey that was looking at kind of optimism and the American dream. And what they really found was, especially among Gen Zs, it's, it's just tremendously hard to get a secure full-time job. Even there's a lot more people freelancing and, and gig jobs and also working multiple jobs. So I think there's a, a large kind of awareness and understanding that it can be really tough to make it. And so I don't think anyone has, you know, illusions about that. You kind of have to hustle and, and work hard and, and, and sometimes team up with the people around you. Well, I think this is another responsibility really for Gen X and beyond older leaders, not to be 
to be honest and frank, but also not to be too downbeat about the future, because who wants to work for a pessimist, right? We've got to have leaders with a bit of optimism. And when you say that the American dream's under pressure for understandable reasons, sad, but I then I think immediately of that wonderful song in South Pacific where they say, you've got to have a dream. If you don't have a dream, how are you going to have a dream come true? And let's hear it for a little bit of optimism. I'm sometimes the gloomiest, but I'm... I'm, I'm... He's so schmaltzy, Joe, isn't he? I love it. <laughs> I, I just want the outro to be that song from South Pacific. <laughs> I yeah. think that's going to give us such a rights headache. I might have to just yeah. have... Oh, you're right, you're right. It. Scrap that. <laughs> sing us out with it, Stefan. <laughs> well, if I'm allowed to sing it, I mean, you've got to have a dream. If you don't have a dream, how you gonna have a dream come true? I don't think we can end on a better note except to say joe constance of bloomberg workshift it's been an absolute pleasure to get the benefit of your wisdom thank you for joining us thank you so much for having me this was super fun marvelous wasn't she illuminating stefan that was great well i think that's the spontaneity and the openness that you really want this is why you hire young people with fresh ideas and attitudes and energy and, and it's that mix of ages i hope i hope that comes across in the conversation you know that's what's really productive and, and stimulating for everybody so that was joe constance of bloomberg this has been another episode of the nowhere office with me julia hobsbawm and me stefan stern this is an editorial intelligence production and you have every right to comment on it best place to do so is on twitter at the nowhere Offie one the number one very cumbersome username if we can change it we will do if mr musk lets us thanks for listening 